Christian person. Now, most of y'all don't know Brother Walls. How many of you don't know Brother Walls? And, uh, well, good. So uh, you get to make a first impression tonight on most everybody here. But he's pastoring uh, for years. How long have you been at Oliver Springs? 38 years, uh, Mount Pisgah Baptist Church in Oliver Springs, uh, Tennessee. And that's right outside of Oak Ridge. For those of you that have been this way, we'd call it right outside Oak Ridge. I, I don't know what they would call it. Or it's right near Wartburg, too, right? And uh, see, they're outside. How many have been to, have you ever heard of Brushy Mountain? Uh, how far are y'all from Brushy Mountain? Oh, about 11 miles. 11 miles. So when you, when you, when you, that's that, that's that part of the country. Uh, so we're known for nuclear energy and prisons. That's what that part of the country we're known for. Uh, but one of the great ministries they've had and had for years is, is a printing ministry where they print Bibles. And uh, they've got a video presentation we're going to show at this time. And so you can become more familiar with their ministry. And I think we're ready to show that. I'm Pastor Garvin Walls. I started pastoring back in 1967. For the last 28 years, I've been at Mount Pisgah Baptist Church in Oliver Springs, Tennessee. I had the privilege of pastoring a church that prints the Word of God. A hundred times over, the stories could be told of our mission endeavor. Such stories as I'm going to tell you now. I was in Buchenwald, Germany, visiting a concentration camp. And uh, we had taken 19 pastors with us on a trip and taken 50,000 German New Testaments we'd print here at our print shop. During our trip there, I met a man named Walter Young, 86 years of age. He had served two years at this concentration camp. He was back for a visit that day. And what an encounter it was, because we were able to give him his first copy ever of the Word of God, a red German New Testament. He took it. He kissed it. He wept. It was the first one he ever had. Then I cannot even express to you the joy I had of getting the scriptures to Lebanon where the Hezbollah literally took the scriptures from our pastor friend there and his son and took those scriptures and read them. And then the Iraqi scriptures that were printed and distributed in Iraq just over and over and over again. One story after another of the wonderful grace of God and allowing us to present the Word of God to people. You know, you have many copies, no doubt, laying around your house. Uh, most of the world doesn't even have one copy. Won't you help us be a part of getting them what so drastically has changed your life, a copy of God's Word. Hello, my name is H.B. Carney, and I'm the printing director here at the church. And I just want to tell you how you can help in our ministry, and we need your help desperately. Uh, the ministry is making Jesus Christ manifest, making him known into the world. That's the first thing we need to do. And the means is by uh, printing the scriptures, uh, purchasing paper uh, by the roll, which is around $33,000 a, a truckload or $1,200 a roll. And... Uh, we need co-laborers, uh, people like you, that uh, are in church, uh, that uh, have been saved and born again, and your desire to see people saved. And Not everyone can go to the mission field, but you can send a paper missionary. And that's what we do, is we print Bibles, New Testaments, John and Romans, and uh, send them around the world to missionaries so they can use them on the foreign field. 
I just want to thank the Lord for uh, Mount Pisgah Baptist Church uh, because uh, my relationship with the church goes as far back as 1994 uh, when I came and uh, presented my ministry and uh, the church uh, voted to give me uh, 35,000 uh, New Testaments. So uh, they printed the 35,000 New Testaments and I shipped them to Lebanon. That was in 1994. And we had pastors and uh, people from all over uh, Lebanon, Syria, come and take those uh, New Testaments. Uh, in 2003, I was in Alaska uh, just uh, after the invasion of Iraq. And I came back from the Middle East, from Iraq, and went to Alaska to present my ministry in the churches in Alaska. And Pastor Walls called me, and he told me that the church voted to print me 40,000 New Testaments and also give me Bibles uh, for Iraq. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, during that period, with the, with the help of Mount Pisgah, I was able to ship more than 24,000 Bibles and uh, almost about 40,000 New Testament uh, to Iraq. And the amazing thing is that when we get them to Iraq, those uh, New Testaments and Bibles were distributed uh, within one week all over the country. People were very hungry and uh, wanted to hear the Word of God. Our relationship with Mount Pisgah goes many years back, and I'm very grateful that today I am a member of this church. And what is amazing to me is that Mount Pisgah supported the missionary who went to Lebanon and led me and my family to the Lord. And this missionary and his wife today, they are in heaven. But I am here, member of Mount Pisgah, commissioned and sent by this church in order to go to the Middle East and uh, uh, tell the people about the Lord. Again and again, the story could be told. We want you to help us, please. We need your help of getting scriptures around the world. 16 different languages, the 17th language coming this year. But your help is desperately needed. This is a local church ministry. I promise you will be faithful in handling what you give for the cause of Christ, for the salvation of souls, and the honoring of our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. May God bless you. We were in a missions conference uh, down in Hinesville, Georgia in January. There was another missionary there. He was a missionary to the Jews. But he had just come out of Cuba. And so in my presentation to the church there, uh, I mentioned about the 15,000 Bibles that were sent into Cuba. And by route of Nicaragua, I believe it was. He, he was sitting there, and, and uh, after the service was over, he came up all excited. And he said, I saw those Bibles. He said, I just come out of Cuba. He said, I saw those Bibles. He said, I saw those Bibles and they were and they were being distributed to the soldiers in Cuba. And boy, you know, I'll tell you what, I just, man, I ate that up. You know, you don't hear about that all the time. But here's a missionary saying, I saw them, I saw them. And uh, they were being delivered to the soldiers there in Cuba. And then he said this. He said, I talked to one of the soldiers and he told me that he had been saved because of the Bible that he got. So the money that you give for printing is not wasted and it's not in vain. It's eternal. 
So I just thought that'd be a blessing. It was a blessing to me, and uh, it was a blessing to the preacher. And uh, so I'm, I, I'm glad for that. I saw those Bibles, and when he said that, I'll tell you what, it just it thrilled my heart. Edwards family with us tonight. They're going to make their way on up here. And I've seen them over at Brother Leonard Fletcher and other places and kept up with them. This is the first time they've been in our church. I'm going to ask the, our church the same thing. How many of you have never heard the Edwards family sing? Not, not, not online, but you've never heard them in person. Would you raise your hand? And uh, so you're in for a treat. And uh, they do a great job. They're from over in the Burnsville area, right? Burnsville, North Carolina. How many of you know where that is? Uh, it's one of them places you don't go to on accident. <laughs> and uh, so you pray for them. They do a great job singing. And uh, they'll, they'll, they've will they got some CDs and stuff I'm sure they'll tell us about. And uh, thankful for good godly music. And so I've asked them to sing a few songs at this time. Well, we are glad to be here. And more importantly, we met in the prayer room earlier and felt the sweet Holy Ghost. And uh, I told the preacher, I said, we didn't come to sing, we came to worship. There is a difference. Amen. And uh, mom said, do you know anybody? And I said, I don't really know anybody at that church. But I'm glad the sweet Holy Ghost, and God knows me. Amen. A lot of times, I mentioned this in the prayer room, but a lot of times we go to family gatherings and you stay close to your clan. Amen. And I'll nudge somebody in some of my family and I'll say, who's that? Sometimes they'd say, well, I, that's so-and-so. Or, but it's just family we've not met yet. And if you've been born um, into this family, we're just family of God that we've not met yet. Amen. So you worship with us. We're, we're, we come from Burnsville. It is a small town, but it's a great place to raise babies. And uh, it's a good place to live for Jesus. Any place is a good place to live for Jesus. One of these days we're going to a land in the sweet forever. And we'll part no more. Amen. You worship with us tonight. What a happy time, some glad tomorrow. When we lay these heavy burdens down in this lonesome valley. In this lonesome valley. No more to roam. No more to roam. Having labor on through joy and sorrow. Hoping to receive a golden crown, it will all be glory. It will all be joy in that sweet home, that happy home in the beautiful city of the sweet forever. We'll be waiting just across the river deep and wide in this lonesome valley. No more to roam. Through eternity, no separating. Every heart will then be satisfied. It will all 
in the beautiful city, beautiful city. of the sweet forever. Some happy day where the river of life.
when they started doing that presentation tonight on those Bibles, my mind went, uh, the Holy Ghost just kind of put my attention to something else. And um, I want to sing the uh, God's Word will stand. And uh, I know that's, I'm kind of throwing them for a loop, but that's all right. Um, because God's Word will stand. And I'm glad He's my anchor, though. A lot of times storms come in our life and we're tossed to and fro. A lot of times people say, I'm holding on to him, but there's sometimes storms will come in our life that we don't have the strength to hold on anymore. But I'm glad he's holding on to me. Amen. I'm glad that God's word will stand. Do it, okay. That's fine. I'm sorry. I thought we was playing that one. God's word will stand.
course, it for me. I'm getting younger every day. Just really close to getting a brand new body. And it's the word has stood from old time preaching to low time preaching today. So I don't, I don't fear it. I thank God that we have it. Let the world say what they want to say, but one day they'll stand before a God that knows their thoughts before they even think them. And us too. Praise the Lord. It's a good God, ain't it? They ask me why I struggle alone when it seems all hope is gone. They ask me why in troubled times I can still sing a victory song. Let me tell you the reason why. Wonderful 
I know some of you know this song. Stand up and sing it with us. One time, girls, you lead us. Dead on I think of so many things to say, and some of you have been around here a long time. I know I say, think about it. You can be seated. We're going to let them sing a couple more. There's two things I think of. One of them is, how many of you had a, a shouting granny? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Those are treasures that some of the world knows nothing about. And uh, I'm afraid they're passing off the scene. But it's kind of like people say today, kids have changed. The truth is, parents have changed. And I'm thankful for God's goodness in our life. And so I'm going to ask them to sing a couple more. I'd like to sing uh, the, the one the girl practiced. And, and uh, I, I hadn't heard that song when I was a boy. My mind went back to a camp meeting. Um, Mount Perrin. And the summertime camp meeting, no country preacher. Just had a white shirt on, and there was no music, and he sung this song. My mind goes back there as a 15, 16-year-old boy and thinking about those days. And so you sing a couple more and whatever you want to, but at least sing this one and sing one more. We'll, we'll take plenty of time. 60 minutes will still be there when you get home. And they didn't find out who killed her. I don't know what's on tonight, but they never figure it out. And you still going to get up and go to work and go to school tomorrow. And uh, I like what Pastor Sexton used to say, we don't come to church to get out, we come to church to get in. And so I'm thankful. Some of you might actually enjoy it if you let yourself. And so they're going to sing a couple more, and then Brother Wall's going to preach. And uh, we're looking forward to that. So you sing.
We were sitting around the piano at the house, and God just settled in. Sitting there, I was sitting on a bar stool at the, in the dining room, just trying to sing and keep it together, thinking how good God's been to this whole country, boy, and to think that He would love somebody as low down and worthless and as just somebody like me. 
Friend, he loves you the same way he loved me. He sent his only son to die on an old rugged cross that we might be saved tonight. And I'm glad I met him in the free pardon of sin. Amen. I could take you to a place where I knelt down in an old-fashioned altar and I called out upon the Lord. And he came right to where I was in the condition that I was and picked me up and saved my wretched soul. And I've never been the same. I ain't always been perfect. But he certainly has, amen. And I'm glad we're, deliver- we're serving a good, good God tonight that's been faithful. He's true, and he loves us tonight. Do you know him tonight? Boy, it'd be good night to get to know him if you don't, amen. Do you know how it feels to know something is missing, to hear a still, small voice? You just keep dismissing. Do you know how it feels to be troubled inside? Just for you on a cross, someone died. Do you know how it feels when he knocks to surrender? Have your sins washed away, never to be remembered and know that it's real. Tell me, do you know how it feels? How does it feel to know you're a child of the King? Your Heavenly Father owns everything. It's a joy to have Brother Garvin Walls with us, and I don't 
but Brother Wall's been in Mount Pisgah almost as long as I've been alive. And growing up in that part of the world, and I uh, appreciate him and his faithfulness to the Lord. And uh, you pray for him as he come preaches to us uh, at this time. All right. Thank you so much. Take your Bibles turn to Luke chapter number 9. I'll be there in just a few minutes, the Lord willing. That's where I shall start. Thank you for being here tonight. How many of you would rather be here than in jail? Let's see your hands. How many of you? All right. Almost everybody. How many of you have ever been in jail? Let's see your hands. That's the crowd I want to preach to tonight. All right. All right. That's good. Thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to come. So good to see you. And uh, what, a, what a great work God's doing here. Man, this, these facilities are, are wonderful. Nine years ago, and it's just wonderful. And thank you folks for singing for us. It was a blessing to us. It really was. And I appreciate that so much. I really do. Well, we only have one night. I've just met you. You've just met me. We've got one night to decide if we're going to like each other. Now, I've already made my mind up. I'm going to like you for at least the next few minutes. <laughs> and I hope you'll make up your mind that you're going to like me and put up with me for a few minutes, okay? Now, I preach quick, and sometimes I preach very brief. But when I'm done, I'm done. But I want to give you everything on my heart tonight. I have a free book for you. These folks have some CDs they're going to sell at the back. I can't sell anything, so I've got free books for you. <laughs> There's a free book back there on 52 of my favorite stories. I want you to have that. Does it sound all right, preacher? All right. It's a little echo to me up here if you can kind of give me a little so I don't hear myself. I don't like hearing me. Come on, folks, you got to catch on. We're not going to get through this. (laughs) There's two statements in my life. that, Well, three statements, but I'm going to tell you two of them tonight. Two statements that have changed my life. I'm going to tell you what they are. And I I tell this everywhere I preach. I usually used to tell jokes all the time. I've got a book of 400 jokes I've compiled together over these years of preaching. But uh, two things have changed my life. Leonard Ravenhill had written a note one day to a a preacher. And he sealed the envelope and he thought, you know, there's something else I ought to say in that note. He he took the envelope back from off of his desk, turned it over, did not unseal it. But on the back of the envelope, he put this question. Are the things you're living for worth Christ dying for? Many years ago, I was attending pastor school when Dr. Howes was alive. About 5,000 pastors were there. And uh, Bob Hughes, a missionary to the Philippines, was going to give his testimony. He was dying of cancer. They told him if he checked himself out of the hospital, he'd probably die, but he checked himself out of the hospital. Flew to America from the Philippines. Sitting on the front row down here, when Dr. Howes introduced him, two men had to help him get to the stage carrying his oxygen tanks. And from the time he got up, you could hear him. Here's what you could hear. That's all you could hear. He got up, and I knew already what he was going to say in my mind. He was saying, you all pray for me. I have cancer. He got up, and here's what he said. He said, they tell me I'm dying. He said, but I've decided to live till I die. If you see a little excitement in this old preacher tonight, I've decided to live till I die. I'm going to enjoy myself. And I can't enjoy Chick-fil-A on the way home tonight because they're closed. But if they were, I would enjoy it. (laughs) Can I get a witness? Can you stand with me as we read Luke chapter 9? If you're able to, if you're not, Luke chapter 9. 
and verse number 57. If you're there, say amen. amen. Thanks again, Pastor. And it came to pass. Aren't you glad it didn't come to stay? As they went in the way, a certain man said to him, Lord, I will follow thee whatsoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. He said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at the home at my house. And Jesus said to him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Father, I cannot be a help without you. But if you'll give me what I need tonight, I'll give these folks what you've given me. Let me be a vessel tonight in the hand of an awesome God. What a wonderful Savior you are. Thank you for the song service, the fellowship, these people, encourage and meet every need. Bless the pastor, his family. In Jesus' name, I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Be seated, please. I want to give you the topic of my sermon tonight. I'm going to preach on how to quit your quitting. Did you catch that? How to stop your stopping. There's too many people that are quitting. Our ranks are filled with quitters, are they not? In this room tonight, I'm speaking to somebody that's, that you're thinking about it. I've got some folks maybe near doing, doing, uh, to quitting, and some have already quit. There's no doubt about that. I'm speaking to, to those tonight. Quitting is easy because so many people can do it. It's easy, e- quitting is an easy thing to do. It's an easy thing to do. You know, I often tell people this. Uh, you're traveling down the highway of life. Quit looking for the exit sign and look for the finish line. Far too many Christians, now I said I preach fast, so you listen fast. Too many Christians are like Alka-Seltzers. They drop in, fizzle out, and leave a bad taste behind. Don't you be that way. Don't you be a quitter. Many of servants of God have been tempted to quit. Peter said, I go a fishing. Elijah said, I'm the only one left. John Mark visited there. Demas moved there. It's easy to quit. There's three reasons you may quit just from our text before I get to what I want to preach about. If you looked at your surroundings, you may quit. Foxes have holes. The birds there have nests. I have nowhere to lay my head. And you may think, I've been serving Christ this many years, and I don't have this, and I don't have that. You look at somebody else, Psalm 73, David did that. And he got his eyes totaled off of Christ. And when you look at your surroundings, you'll be tempted to quit and walk away. There's another reason you may want to quit. If you look at yourself, twice in our scripture, he said, suffer me first. Suffer me first. And if you have a Christianity that just wants to put yourself first, you're going to quit one of these days. Because you'll no longer be able to do that. You've got to learn, Jesus said, the greatest of all mankind were those that would be willing to be servants of others. There's a second, third reason you may quit, when you get your eyes on other quitters. Boy, isn't it so easy to get your eyes on somebody else? I've been, I've been pastoring for 56 years. I know it, I don't look that old, and I want to thank you for that. And I don't, I don't want you to tell me how old I look. I don't care about it, okay? <laughs> but I've got a few years on me. And I'll tell you what, but sometimes I get my eyes on people, and it makes me so mad at myself. Because when you look at other quitters, you'll quit. Well, you're not, come on. Gideon had 22,000 quit on him, but he still went on. Can I get an amen? How many spies, answer my question. I'm ask, answer, how many spies did they send out to the promised land? Look at the how many, how many spies? 12, right? Name me three of them. Twenty-two. 
All I need is one ask, ask me, all 12 of them are in the Bible at least twice. How come you can only name two? I'll tell you why. Because the other 10 were quitters. And the, name of the, and the name of the wicked shall rot. They're quitters. That's why you can't name them. How to quit your quitting. Here's the first thing. If you want to quit your quitting, look at the Savior. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, thus lest I'd ever wait and see which is so easy to miss us, look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Look to Jesus. You won't quit. You won't quit. Look at him in Gabbatha as they gamble for his garment. Look at him in Gethsemane when he's praying till his blood becomes as uh, sweat becomes as drops of blood, considering on before the governor, considering on Golgotha. And consider him in the glory tonight. I want to tell you, you look at the Savior and you'll not quit. I said it won't be long. Here's another, another thing to keep you from quitting. Look at the scriptures. 1 John 2, 14, 15 talks about the fact that the scriptures gives young men strength to be overcomers and the word of God. The word of God is forever settled in heaven. I still believe this book is the book. I still preach in the King James Version Bible. That's what we preach on. We believe this to be God's word. We believe this to be the inerrant, infallible word of God. We have him. And we believe God's word to be true in every situation, everything. All right? It's still right. Can I get an amen to that right there? It's still right. We believe that. We believe that every word of God is inspired. Inspiration of scripture. We believe that man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. And thy word has given me comfort in heaven. In the days of Hezekiah, when the enemy was coming against them, the Bible says, when the people listened, they rested themselves upon the words of the king. And when your world is falling apart, thank God, you can still rest upon the words of the king. They're still true. They're still honest. They're still right. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's quick and powerful. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12. Years ago, at our church service one night, someone came to me and said, Pastor, said, we're having trouble with some people over here on the left. Said, we have some Jehovah Witnesses here tonight, and they're trying to cause some trouble. I went back to where they were, and I said, come with me, a man and a, and a woman. I said, come back to my office with me. They walked back to my office, and I said, I said to them, I said, now listen, you can come to our church, but you can't, you can't spread discord while you're here. I said, I'm not going to be unkind to you if you want to come, but you cannot spread your discord here. And I said, well, as a matter of fact, you wouldn't even have a Bible if, if, if it hadn't changed in 1951, because in 1950, their Bible read what our Bible read. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And they had to change it to was a God. Because they couldn't have the deity of Jesus Christ to be God. And he said it was a God. And the man said to me, he said, it wouldn't matter if it's a or a the. And I said, I'll tell you what. I don't think your wife is a theologian. But I said, I'm going to let your wife answer this question. And I'll settle for what she says. I said, you want to be a wife or the wife? <laughs> they got up and walked out. Don't know why. This, this book will still get the job. This work will still get the job done. Yes, I was preaching at Brushy Mountain Prison. I got a chance on two times to witness to James Earl Ray while he was there, and I didn't get one word out of him either time I spoke to him. But we had about eighty some men in a little small building, a little room, not much bigger than this choir. They were packed in there, and uh, right in the middle of the song service, the man who controlled the services was running and said, "Preacher Wall said, I think you ought to preach." I said, okay. I got up and I quoted Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. 
It's the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes, the Jew first, also the Greeks. For therein is the righteous of God revealed from faith to faith, as written, the just shall live by faith. I said, I'm not ashamed of the person of the gospel. All of a sudden, the man in the back seat got out with no guards in there, just us, just all locked in there together. He gets out, he starts walking down toward the front of the, where I'm preaching. When he got down closer, you could look at him and you could see someone had taken a knife and cut, his, cut him right across through here. And they just sold his eye up and he just had one eye he could see out of. He got down about 20 feet from me. He said, preacher, sure, if it'd be all right, could I just go ahead and get saved right now? <laughs> yeah, woo! I said, you sure can? And he got through getting saved. We just got preached some more and some more got saved. I understand there's power in the word of God. It will get the job done. That's why, preacher, you preach the word. Just keep plugging away. Just keep hitting the same hole. You hit concrete long enough, it'll bust. You got some hard-headed Baptists, you hit them hard enough in the word, they'll finally bust open. That's why all these years our church has been printing the scriptures. Over three million in the last three years shipped and printed all across the world. 500,000 in Zawaila right now to a country that's so needed. Half a million in, in uh, China getting ready to be, we smuggle them over into to North Korea. Just over and over again, over and over again. I've been so blessed to go there. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, you take a look at the scriptures. Thank, by the way, I'll chase a few rabbits tonight. How many of you like rabbits do, though, if you ever catch it? I like rabbits too, me too. Now I forgot what rabbit I was chasing. <laughs> I just know this. The word will get the job done. Amen? Let me give you the third thing. Not only if you want to quit, you quit and look at the Savior, look at the scriptures. Here's one. Look at what your service means to other people. To some people, you're the best Christian they, they know. Did you know that? And if you quit, you think where they're going to end up at. You know, I have, I have, I have five children. All of them are boys, but three. <laughs> you folks are pretty quick up here. I was surprised. <laughs> and uh, I often think with them and my, they're all in our church, that pastor. We have 12 grandchildren. They're all in our church there where I pastor. And uh, how in the world can I quit? Uh, I, drove up this, I drove up here tonight. I came by, I don't know how many churches I'd preached at over these years, and the preachers that I know. How could I walk away? There's a young grandson in the, in the ministry up in Clarksburg, Virginia, West Virginia tonight, whose dad was a hippie, and he had hair down to, his, to the middle of his back, down here, real black hair, beautiful black hair. He wanted to, he had, he had got a young lady pregnant, but he wanted to get married, and he came to our church on a Wednesday night, and I was, teach, I was teaching through 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where it's a shame for a man to have long hair. That was the verse on, I was on that night. He said, when you opened that scriptures and you read that, he said, he said he ain't got enough nerve to preach on it. But I did. He got through and he tells this story. He said, I was so mad when I left there. He said, he was a, he was a biker. He said, I could have whipped you all over the place. And he could have. But he got a conviction. God changed his heart. Got saved. Got called to preach. Went to Baptist University of America. Started a church. Great missionary work. And, he's, and my grandson's there in, in the ministry. Pastoring his church tonight. You think I can walk away and quit? Those kids that you have in the Awana program. Or the, the uh, pro, master's program. Can you walk away from those? 
Just quit. Hey, you got some two girls there growing up. Can you walk away from that? No. You can't do that, can you? Your service means something to somebody. You got to remember that. How many of you got grandkids? Man, they're, boy, they're coming up in a sad situation, aren't they? Facing things we never faced. They need you. Don't you quit. Don't you walk away. Come on, say amen. We need you as a light to the world. Let your light so shine before men. We've been on television in our church for uh, uh, 35 years. I pastor a nice-sized country church. And uh, one day I was visiting a lady in the hospital. Rosie was her first name. And uh, they said, uh, one of her son-in-law said to me, said, pray for my father-in-law. Said, uh, he's not saved. Said, he watches you every Sunday. I said, well, I'll go by and visit him one day. She said, well, he's 92 years of age. I said, I'll go by today. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> I went by that day. <laughs> I knock on his door. He welcomes me, welcomes me in. He, he sets me down. And I try to witness to him. He says, I'll tell you what, preacher. I'm just as good as anybody that goes to your church. You know what? I tell people this. I, always, I meet some people who say I'm just as bad as the people that go there. <laughs> just as good as those who go there. And uh, he wouldn't get saved. Every few months for two years, I went back to see him. B.J. Large's his name. I go back to see him, witness to him, talk to him about getting saved, and he wouldn't get saved. I was getting ready to go on vacation in August, and one of the family members called me and said, uh, B.J.'s real sick, and could you stop by and see him? And I said, I've got a few hours before I leave on vacation. I'll come by to see him. I go in his house, and one of his sons is sitting in a chair over here, and I can't find his wife. His wife's not there. He's sitting on the couch. And I said, where's your wife? I said, well, she said she, she fell and she hurt herself. She's back in the bedroom. And I said, BJ, you know why I'm here for. You could tell me how to get saved. I've told you so many times. I said, don't you want to get saved? He said, preacher, he said, I'm fixing, I'm getting ready to make a change. That's the old timer for saying they want to get saved. Yeah. Well, his son jumped up and started running toward the bedroom and started hollering, mama, mama, mama. Said, get in here. Said, Daddy's getting ready to get saved. Well, I'll tell you, by the time she got back in there, I was crying and boo-hooing so much I couldn't even talk to the feller. And it took me four or five minutes to get my composure, but thank God he got saved by the grace of God. And listen to me. Somebody had to stay faithful to him. Listen to me. 54 times I went to the house of a man named Glenn Bush on a Saturday. 54 times. I'll take that back. That was Ed Drake 54 times. He got saved. Went to Glenn Bush's house 104 times on a Saturday, and he got saved by the grace of God. 50 years of witnessing to my brother-in-law, and he got saved because someone stayed with it. Your service means something to somebody. Don't you give up. Don't you quit. Don't you stop. Come on, say amen. amen. Now, if you say amen, we'll get done quicker. If you don't, we'll stay longer. Anybody want to practice amen right now? <laughs> Be quiet. All right. <laughs> I'm having a good time. Hope you are. <laughs> Can you give me a few more minutes? About 10 or 15, if that many. You're going to quit your quitting. Look at this shelf. What I mean by the shelf, it's where God puts a man. He can't, can't use any longer. Paul said, I fear lest I become a castaway. I know of no more miserable person than a Christian. Feels like you can't get right with God. 
The way of a transgressor is hard. Of a preacher that God's put on the shelf somewhere that used to know the blessings of God. What God was doing in hearts and lives. I don't know about you, but I like God's favor. I like God's blessings, don't you? I like to be around when the glory comes down, don't you? I can live with that. But just on the shelf. If you're there, get off. Let me tell you just a couple more. If you want to keep, keep your, if you want to quit your quitting, look at the seat. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Paul said, this is what Paul said, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord about the judgment seat. He said, we persuade men. Paul wasn't looking forward to the judgment. He said, the terror of God. I want to tell you, if, the, and if God, and listen, if Paul trembled with all the judgment seat, I want to tell you, I better tremble. Like this young lady said here, I'm going to answer to God one of these days, how I run my race. I use my tongue, my thoughts, my deeds, the seat. Some are going to be ashamed of his coming. Some are going to be glad about it. Man, I got so many things I want to tell you. You know, there's sometimes a scripture verse in its context is more powerful in its context than the text itself. Here's the most, one of the most powerful verses of scripture in the Bible. The church at Corinth, I don't know why in the world anybody want to call themselves the Corinth Baptist Church. All kinds of problems. Almost every chapter they're correcting something, aren't they? Come on. Paul spent a year and a half there in Corinth. You would think after writing that letter, Paul would have thought, man, that was surely a waste of time. But listen to what he said. Be a steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That was written in 1 Corinthians 15, 58 to that church. And I want to tell you, when you're doing it for Christ, your labor is not in vain. People may not appreciate it, may not respond to it. But God said it's required in stewards and then be found faithful, 2 Corinthians 4, 2. When I was a young boy growing up, back when Abraham Lincoln was president. <laughs> how many of you can remember those days? Let's see how many old folks we got in here. All right. You could go to the grocery store and you knew what something was going to cost you when you got there. When you go down, you knew a bread was going to be whatever it was. I mean, listen, I tell you how old I am. I can remember when gas was 17 cents a gallon. Now that's old. Can I get a witness? Amen? That is old. Yeah. That's how old I am. <laughs> I'm, listen, I'm so old. <laughs> I can't remember when the house I was raised in. We we did not the only running water we had. You had, you had to run outside and get it and bring it in. Is that right? Listen, we had linoleum floors. We had those old heaters. We had the stove. Yet then the stove was far. How many what a fireplace is? Yeah, you 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 can only get warm on one side at a time. You have to rotate like a rotisserie. How many of you can remember when your pants you stick to your clothes, you get so hot? I mean, I can remember that. Yeah. I mean, right? Listen, I can remember the linoleum floors being so cold. You get up and go to the bathroom, never touch the floor, and get back to bed. <laughs> That's how old I am. 
When I was a young person growing up, we lived not far from a little place called a white store. Remember, remember white stores? And my mom gave me enough money to go to the store and buy her a jar of mayonnaise. I came back from the store and I was chewing a piece of bubble gum. And mama said to me, where'd you get that bubble gum? And I said, mama, I paid for it for the money you gave me. She counted her change and said, no, you didn't. She said, where'd you get the bubble gum? I said, somebody gave it to me. She knew I was lying. Now you know I'm a liar and a preacher too, right? (laughs) I'm glad you're not giving your testimony. (laughs) Can I get a witness there? (laughs) And uh, she said, I'm going to tell you what you do. I'm going to give you a penny. You walk back down to that white store. And you go up to that counter. And you tell that lady, you're a thief. And you pray for that bubble cup. It took me two days to get back down there. I wanted everywhere in the world. I didn't want to face that white store clerk over a penny. You want to face God? Are you honest with what God's given you? Something to think about, isn't it? It'll help you to quit your quitting. Remember, there's a seat. Let me see if I can find a place to stop here. Oh, wow. I'm going to leave a couple of these out. You'll quit your quitting if you remember to consider the sinner. He's lost. He's going to hell. You still believe in hell? Without Jesus. Wow. Too many stories, preacher. My dad led the singing at the church where I'm now pastor. I went there when I was a child growing up, moved away for years, pastored in, helped start a church in Ohio, pastored churches in West Virginia. Now I've been back there 38 years. We had, uh, I had two brothers and two sisters, all of them are deceased. All my family's gone. I'm the only one left. Most of them died in their 59, 60s. Had a brother named Tommy, and Tommy uh, had mental retardation. When he was four years of age, he had a high fever, and it affected his mind. And uh, that's my brother Tommy. Tommy went through the eighth grade back then. They passed him just because of age instead of the ability to learn. Tommy never got out of the house, hardly any, because back then folks just didn't take folks out like that. Back in 1987, my mother came down with bone cancer and uh, still only gave her a few months to live. And I said, Mom, I'm going to come down and get Tommy and take him over to my house and I'll try to help him out. So I went down to get Tommy and uh, Tommy, of course, could not use the bathroom correctly. He couldn't clean himself up. I go down and he's laying in a bed and he's in his mess. He's a mess. I get in the bed and I get him out and take him over to the shower and give him a shower. Put clothes on him. Take him out and get in my car. I'm going to take him home for one night. Ended up being nine years. 
And on the way to my house, uh, Tommy said, who's going to feed me? And I said, I am. I should have sent my family. He said, who's going to clean me up? And I said, I am. He said, who's going to take me to the doctor when I get sick? And I said, I am. Took him to our house, put him out in the basement there. and I got back out to my car, sitting there. All of a sudden, it just got all over me. God showed up. I got to thinking, when I was dirty and filthy, in my ungodliness, thank God Jesus passed by. And blessed be God. He got in where I was at. Washed me in his blood. Clothed me in his love. He'd been taking me over to his house these last 56 years. On the way a few times, I said, who's going to feed me? He says, I will. (laughs) Who's going to take care of me? He said, I will. That's him. That's the sinner. Needs someone to love him where he is and reach him with the gospel of Jesus Christ. One more. I want you to look at your salvation for a minute. You glad you're saved or not? Man alive. Am I doing all right, preacher? Did you know that you're valuable? Every 90 seconds a teenager tries to take their life. That's sad, isn't it? When they're so valuable. You kids here, man, you're valuable. You're valuable with your crazy hairdos, with all the holes in your clothes. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? I mean, they go buy new clothes with holes in them. With your freckles and your zits. You're valuable. Can I get a witness? You better, and you better make you better invest in them well in this church too. Do you know there's actually just a few things that can determine the value of something? I got my landing gear down now. Just be with me. Be patient with me. One thing that determines the value of something is how long it will last. Dur- durability. How long? How long are you going to last? Forever. Some things are made because of the brand name, John Deere Tractor. I got a story about that, but don't tell it. God stamps all over you. Did you know that? Did you know that uh, all of us have fingerprints that are different? Did you know, listen, I want, you, I want your kids to help me here. Why don't you help me here? Uh, you, this, this fingerprint, hold your hand, kids, hold it. If you're, if you're if you're, you're a kid, if you're 21 years of age, age and younger, hold your hand up and look at me. Come on, just hit me out for a second. All right. This is a finger. This is a finger, finger, finger. And this is a thumb. Did you know that your thumbprint is different than anybody else's thumbprint? That means that you are a thumb body. <laughs> Amen? You're a thumb body. <laughs> Don't you forget it. Some of you aren't having a good time, are you? God bless you. Endure a few more minutes of it. Then the other thing is 
that can tell you the value of something is how rare it is. A 1943 copper penny is worth $3 million. I think there's only seven of them. The, but the main thing that determines the value of something, take your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 20. I want to show you this, and I've got one more thing, and I'll try to be quiet. I'm enjoying myself too much, preacher, to be quiet. I hope that's all right. Are you in Acts chapter 20? I'm going to show you how. Here's, here, here's, the, here's the determining factor what something is worth. I saved baseball cards for years, hadn't seen them for years either. They're stuck somewhere in, my, in the garage somewhere. But I did take one of them out one day, and I found this card I had as a rookie card of somebody. It said it was worth $32, one card. My problem is I can't find anybody that will give me $32 for it. <laughs> Can you relate to that? Okay. So the value of something, basically, is determined by what somebody would give for it. Are you ready? Acts chapter 20 and verse number 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. That's how valuable you are. He purchased you with his own blood. That ought to be enough. With one story. I want to tell you this story because our past may never cross again. I hate for you to live and never hear this story. When I heard this story, I said, it can't be true. I said, there's no way that story's true. I did, I did my best to do all the research I can because I wanted to make sure what I'm telling you is the truth. And this is a true story. Some of you old timers remember a guy named Jack Benny. Do you remember Jack Benny? The old dry sense comedian guy, right? He'd, uh, he wouldn't laugh at his jokes. He'd just tell them in the center. But when he was a teenage boy, he had this girl named Mary that he liked. And for one solid month every day, he sent her a rose and a card. It said, to Mary with love, but he never would sign his name. After a month, Mary said, are you sending me these cards, Jack? And he said, <laughs> she said, you want a date? He could he talk. He was so shy. They dated. They dated for three months. Every week, a rose and a card. To Mary, with love from Jack. They were married for 30 years. Every anniversary, a rose and a card. To Mary, with love from Jack. Jack passed away the day of his funeral, Mary's home, cleaning out her closet. She hears a knock on the door. She goes to the door and there's a florist standing there with a rose and a card. And Mary said to the florist, said, said, you, don't, said you don't understand, said Jack passed away. And uh, the florist said, said, you don't understand, but said before he passed away, he came down the florist and gave us enough money that every day, the rest of your life, you were going to get a rose and a card because he wanted you to know no one ever loved you like Jack loved you. I just stopped by tonight on my way through, just passing through, just to tell you, he's the Rose of Sharon. This is his love letter. 
and no one ever loved you like Jesus loves you. How many of you know there's some people you can love till you get to know them? <laughs> who said that? I want to see who you are. <laughs> You'll be sleeping outside tonight, bub. <laughs> I'm going to give you the greatest verse of scripture in the Bible, I think, on the love of God. It's hard to beat John 17, 23, where he says he loves me as much as he loves his own son. That one's hard to beat. Let me tell you, I think the greatest verse is John 13, 1. He's at the Lord's Supper. He knows everything they're going to do to him. And the Bible says, he loved them. Until the end. Woo! That'll make a Baptist smile on a Sunday night. That God could love us. He knows everything about us. I just want to say, what a Savior. What a Savior. Well, I don't know how you got through it, but I enjoyed myself. And I want to thank you for letting me come, preacher. Let's give an invitation, what do you say?